Hey there, everyone. Welcome to a great, great edition of A Bit of Fellatio. I am your joyous host, Jason Geller, alongside producer extraordinaire once again, John Maddox. Hey, bud. How you doing? Good. I'm not sure I like the uh, tone of your voice tonight. I'm, I'm a little nervous of what surprises and what rants you might go on. I don't have any surprises. My rants are all going to be positive. I am in a great mood. I'm pretty sure every one of our listeners knows why. Actually, I'm pretty sure every one of our listeners in our league knows why. I know we still have some other listeners out there that may not be in tune with uh, what exactly happened in our fantasy league just yet, but that's why they're listening, right? Hey, uh, speaking of that, I just went and checked uh, week 13's episode. 19 lessons. 19 streams. 19 lessons. And on top of that, we had a comment. Was this a comment from one of the members of our league? This was not a comment from one of the members of our league. Wow. It says, first time listener, first time commenter, reminiscent of the Waffle newsletter, but I can listen while I work. I enjoyed the bit about UCF losing the most. More of that, please. Go Bulls. You want to I know who guess? this is. That's Spaz. That's Spaz. Oh, can't stand him sometimes. <laughs> hey, at least he's listening. He is listening. And it is funny how he tied it back to an old waffle newsletter thing that we used to write up. But I don't like the UCF comment. No, no. Horns Not for you. Horns down indeed. All right. Well, we do have some games that did turn out in our favor, John, and we're going to cover some of those games. But I think the first thing we got to cover is a game that was won, two games that were won by Tommy, by you'll see. Um, surges to the division title, gets the first round by, set a perfect lineup in the process. Excellent job, Tommy. And he did it when he needed to come through. He earned himself that first round by in the process. Jalen Hurts once again led the way for his team. 29 fantasy points. The Eagles just completely shellacked the Giants. He also got contributions from Derrick Henry. The Ravens' defense put up a 14. And get this, man, he got some some contributions from odd, strange places. I give him credit here. Uh, he started Dawson Knox at tight end, put up 10 points. He started Van Jefferson at wide receiver and put up 10 points. So uh, bold starts there, you know, particularly with, uh, you know, starting Dawson Knox over uh, Frank Moreau, Raiders tight end there, excuse me, Foster Moreau. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good job, Tommy. No, you think that can't was argue a with that. I, I would give him more credit. Well, I don't know if credit is the right word, but Van Jefferson, you know, when he's got uh, Baker Mayfield coming in, one practice, he's on the team for two days. He practices once with the team, does a walkthrough, and then he's the starting QB. That would have made me pretty nervous. Yeah, um, you know. Props to him. He, he started him. No, granted, he only put up 44 yards. He had a 23-yard uh, receiving touchdown, and that was the um, the big win at the end of the game there. So, you know, prior to that, he only put up a two. But, yeah, he came through with that last-second play for, for Tommy. And uh, not that he needed it. It wasn't particularly close. One of his games was a humongous blowout. The other one he won by 19 points. So, uh, excuse me, 21 points. So, he you know, he had room to spare, but still, you know, came through in the clutch. Good job, well Tom. I'm I'm a little disappointed. You are? 
uh, he did not take our advice. He did not keep rolling with Deshaun Watson. You know, I don't know how how wholehearted our advice was. That seemed a little half-hearted on both of our parts last week. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned I didn't, I did not set a perfect lineup. You know, Cousins over uh, Tua. Didn't see that coming. That hurt me. Uh, it DPJ, didn't cost you the game. Yeah, it didn't cost you the game, at least. Well, I'm, I'm sure you have the numbers. If I would have started a perfect lineup, was I even coming close to Tommy? So you lost by 21. Vision cost you 14 points. 14. Cousins put 25. Two ahead and 11. Donovan Peoples-Jones put up an 11. And Slayton put up a 4. So that's another 7. So that's 21. You would have pulled out a tie. And if I had, had best. if I had started uh, Isaiah Pacheco over Nick Chubb, which who in the right mind? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, I suppose if you had benched Nick Chubb for Isaiah Pacheco as well, the perfect line of the points were there. But I'm, you know, I'll give you grief a little bit for starting Tua over Kirk Cousins, maybe. But I'm not going to get on you for not benching Nick Chubb. Okay. But no, I mean, you know, you get good contributions from Chase and Tyreek Hill and Austin Eckler. Seems like you were struggling to get that wide receiver three position locked down. Um, Darius Slayton was was tough, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you you weren't going to gain too much by winning anyway. You needed to win, as it turned out, one of the two games, um, and you got the one win. You beat the Gingers. The Gingers just completely fizzled, putting up a forty three point performance in their uh, season ending game. Two of those, you know, guys that he had. Put up zero, but three of them put up zeros. Two of them weren't entirely his fault. um, Tyler Boyd left early with a dislocated finger. Kyler Murray, we all saw that on the third snap of the game. He tore his ACL, so he's going to be done. Kyler Murray, he had Mikey had him on a $15 contract that was expiring this year. I believe it was a franchise tag already. So really kind of seems like that's going to end his tenure with the Gingers. He's not really a franchise candidate. $20 coming off a torn ACL anymore. Um, I don't know that he, with a healthy ACL, he would have been franchised, but this is probably making it academic at this stage. So rough, uh, rough way for Mikey to finish out, knowing that, you know, he had a chance to uh, possibly go 2-0 and and um, sneak into the playoffs, although needing a lot of help. Didn't do anything to boost his own cause, though. Well, going into this week, I needed, like you said, one win to guarantee me a spot. Looking at my matchups, obviously, I was not terribly afraid of the Gingers. You know, it helps when he's got three zeros in the starting lineup. The thing that disappointed me the most, though, Mikey was on a roll starting a perfect lineup week in, week out, and he did not get that this week. He had uh, Kenyon Drake in his lineup with a zero and Chuba Hubbard on his bench with a 15. Yeah, well, you know, you're giving Mikey credit for all the perfect lineups he started. But remember, last week, his entire bench scored three points. So, you know, it makes it pretty easy when you don't have the depth on your team to start a quote-unquote perfect lineup, but you're not exactly (laughs) posting high scores in the process. This time, you know, his entire team, yeah, put up 43 on his active roster and 23 on his bench. That's 66 points combined for his entire roster. Now, granted, I know he's got, you know, guys like Hunter Renfro and Trey Lance that are on IR and Henry Ruggs that is in prison. So he's not actively trying to score a ton of bench points, but still, it's not like he had a whole bunch of points to choose from regardless for the guys that he did have on his bench. So. Yeah, it's time for Mikey to lick his wounds, regroup mentally, and uh, get ready for next year. And and you know what? This is probably a good time to, to remind everyone, we'll be doing a little bit more of a deep dive as we get into future week's episodes on the teams that did not make the playoffs and what their outlook will look like 
for next season. Kind of taking a look at who's already under contract for them, some franchise or cut slot candidates, and really talk about kind of what we would expect them to uh, have salary cap wise going into the auction. So, you know, just because you're out of it, Mikey, no reason for you to stop listening to this podcast. So we covered that. Tommy got his two wins. I got my one win. Uh, we're in the playoffs. Who's next that needed to win? Well, so he needed to win. And we talk about Tommy earning his his uh, first round bye. He earned it. But in the process, Danny lost it. Um, and Danny was ahead of, of Tommy going into this last week here. And all Danny needed to do was go 2-0. and And he would have had the first round bye. As it turns out, he fumbled the opportunity. He lost to both the mob and to fantasy football team. Um, the mob actually led the way this week. So nice little bit of retribution. I know Danny and Mike had that uh, back and forth going on over the text chain about Mike thinking he was going to the playoffs and Danny forcefully telling him he was not. <laughs> so Danny wound up being right. Mike is not going to the playoffs, but Mike was able to exact a little bit of revenge in the process here. You know, I guess, does he, does this count? He's not totally undefeated as a new dad, is he? Or is he? I guess he is because of when the baby was born. Uh, no, the baby was born two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm d- yeah. Right. We did. We had to record the podcast. The baby had been born for six days. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So you're right. All right. Sorry. Um, baby Lucas, your dad is not undefeated in your lifetime, but uh, <laughs> still pretty good this week. You know, Mike was led by uh, the Patriots defense actually led the way for Mike's team. Um, they had that pick six, uh, 22 points total. He also got another 20 points from Geno Smith. Not much else. I mean, he got, you know, little contributions from Devontae Smith put up a 12. He got 10 points out of Joe Mixon. But he still got, you know, a one from Corey Davis, a zero from T. Higgins. Both those guys left early. In fact, T. Higgins hurt himself, his hamstring in warmups. Snuck on the field for one play before the uh, Bengals coaching staff realized it and got rid of him. But yeah, so, you know, up and down week for Mike. Obviously, he was able to you know, keep Danny out of the division title. But really, that's kind of the the end of, of Mike's season. The, the only other thing to call out, 42 rushing yards and a touchdown for Cam Akers, a guy that Mike's got signed through next year for a dollar. So, you know, as a flyer, we talked about his injury and, and poor performance this season, but he has started to climb back a little bit from that Achilles injury um, that Cam Akers has. You know, over the last two weeks, 26 fantasy points. Maybe giving Mike a glimmer of hope that next year he can be, you know, one of his two starting running backs, um, you know, one more year removed from the injury. And you mentioned uh, Danny lost two games this week. Uh, Little brother Sean beat up on him, too. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, Sean, you know, it's funny. Sean didn't have any great performances. His leading scorer was Justin Herbert, who looked fantastic. If you watch Sunday Night Football, uh, Chris Collinsworth was raving about him and the performance, but it only translated to 18 fantasy points, mainly because he only threw for one touchdown. Um, But he also got 16 points from James Conner on Monday Night Football. That was the performance for Sean that put him over the top on Danny. Um, So those were the two big performers for Sean. James Conner may be a franchise candidate. Again, you know, something that Sean can look at in the offseason. Right now, his contract is, what is he, $15? So it would go up to $20. You got to figure out, you know, what the offense looks like in Arizona next year. We touched on the quarterback injuries. So maybe a candidate for a franchise slot for Sean, but that'll be one of his uh, major decisions to make in the offseason. Yeah, and when we look at, Danny's side of things uh a big thing that hurt him was not starting the right rookie quarterback 
That's correct. In fact, had he chosen the correct quarterback, rookie quarterback, um, he would have scored an additional 20 points. Instead, he started Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett got that early stage concussion, uh, put up a one. Brock Purdy, however, third string quarterback for San Francisco, came in, ran for a touchdown, threw for two touchdowns, put up 21 points. If Danny puts him in the starting lineup, Danny wins both games against both Sean and the mob and ends up getting the first round by instead of Tommy. So Danny's probably kicking himself there a little bit. Yeah, another thing he left, yeah, podcast favorite DK Metcalf sitting on his bench. Yep, 13 points there, 70 yards and a touchdown. Instead, he started, you know, Jalen Waddle put up a three. I'm not sure what was going on with Miami's offense. It felt like the Chargers really had a blueprint of how to stop um, that offense and confuse uh, Tua altogether. I mean, you obviously felt the the other end of that at the quarterback position on your side. Yep. But then also Amari Cooper wound up uh, with a hip injury. So he only put up a four last week as well. So yeah, Danny left uh, nine or 10 points, depending on how you want to look at it there. Nine points would have been enough to tie Sean. 10 points would have beat him. But really, Danny needed both victories. So it really boils down for Danny to that quarterback decision. Well, all we can hope is that moving forward, he continues to perform like he did this week and put up mid-60s. Is that what you're hoping for? Why would you possibly be pulling for that outcome? All right, enough about Danny. Okay, well, we've got another team to talk about that actually did earn their spot here, and I'm very excited to report that the Detroit Roadies clinched the final playoff spot last week here uh, with win league champ and the Chulo de Tortoises. I got a little bit of help. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But the first thing I needed to do, I needed to control my own destiny at least and go 2-0 and with what I could handle. Um, and I did. The big score for me was Trevor Lawrence put up a 32. Um, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Huge performance. And I'm going to actually uh, you know, tell you the story. I woke up Sunday morning with Ryan Tannehill in my starting lineup. And I saw the news. Trevor Lawrence was cleared. It was full go. I saw him sitting on waivers. I didn't feel right about starting Tannehill. It just didn't sit right with me, so I picked up Lawrence. That ended up boosting my score by 15 points. I only beat Brett by 10. If I don't make that change, I'm not getting into the playoffs. So uh, pat myself on the back for that one. And well, I also – oh, go ahead. You want to One thing ahead? that I noticed and one thing that I'm disappointed in because I was all set to, to rag on you and just beat you down this – this podcast you threw uh was it gary dorch in your lineup greg dorch but greg dorch. It matters gary dorch whatever some guy named dorch you throw into your lineup meanwhile you've got detroit's own jameson williams sitting on your bench putting up a 10 10 point spot for you yeah and and i was you know maybe regretting that a little bit but here's the thing i i watch all the lions games and you know this about me. So I knew that Jamison Williams, he had just played his season debut the week before. He only got in there for eight snaps. Meanwhile, DJ Chark, the week before, this is um, the game again. Who did they play? Against Jacksonville. He got five catches on six targets for 98 yards. Didn't score, but got, you know, 98 yards the week prior. And I felt like they were incorporating him more into the offense and he had earned some additional targets. So, yeah, Jamison Williams ended up getting that first touchdown. Uh, 41 yards and suddenly he's sitting there with a 10 Chark had a zero at the time but Chark came along and he ended up getting his targets he got 90 yards and a touchdown put up 15 points and that's a guy I targeted off waivers last week 
But I mean, you didn't have the cojones. You, you're not a good enough Lions fan to go with two Lions wide wide receivers in your starting lineup. No, I didn't have it in me to start both. In fact, I actually had uh, what's the guy's name? The, the Tennessee receiver, uh, Westbrook Akini, who I had also had in my lineup all set going into Sunday morning. I made that change as well. Instead, picked up Dorch. Dorch ended up with a big fat zero. Uh, cost me eight points there in that switch. But you know what? It's okay. I, I just originally was going to go with the stack of Tannehill and Westbrook Akine. I just didn't feel great about it. I didn't think that Tennessee was going to score a bunch of points. And so I just called that audible Sunday morning. And all in all, it you know, it paid off, uh, boosted my score by seven those two moves combined. And I ran out enough of a lead that it rendered both the, you know, Monday night football guys. I had two guys playing on Monday night football and I didn't need anything out of them, which is good because that's exactly what I got from them. Uh, <laughs> not only did Dorch put up a zero, but so did Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, he got injured. He went back into the game for a little bit, came right back out after a few plays. Yards, receiving yards and a zero. And I was so glad that I had beaten Brett um, and had that locked up early enough by Sunday that I didn't need those points. Cause if I had needed just a couple of points from Stevenson and Dorch combined and gotten zero and missed out on the playoffs, that would have been heartbreaking to watch on Monday night. Like you said, we'll get more into it later on with your prospects moving forward, but it sounds like you've got some work to do to get a solid starting lineup moving forward. Yep. Later in the show, we'll talk about, you know, the, the outlooks for the playoff games this week, both your game against Danny, my game against Brett, and we'll really break down the rosters. But yeah, um, definitely have some work to do there. However, I think we still owe it to ourselves to talk about uh, the other game here in my matchup, which was Brett beating Ricky, the tortoises, who by virtue of losing to both of us, Rick now finishes in last place. Well, you know, wait, hold on timeout. You're telling yeah. me that the tortoise finished in last place slow and steady lost this race yeah and it wasn't particularly close but no brett did a good job you know i think the big thing he saw the big news from him was jk dobbins coming back from injured reserve and putting up 120 yards and a touchdown so that's real big strong performance there he did lose debo samuel although debo did put up 10 before he left he fumbled on his way out which was kind of nice for me playing against him so Debo's going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. So that's kind of what's going on with Brett's team. But he ended up his game. He beat Ricky. It didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. He won his division. He won our division, John and I's, just by virtue of getting that one win, though. All right, let me ask you this. How many points did Ricky need to go 2-0 and instead of 0-2 this week? So he lost to me by 19 points. He lost to Brett by 9 points. Okay, and what is 25 minus 4? 25 minus 4 is 21. So wherever you are getting these numbers from, John, it really seems like this would have cost Ricky not just one game, but two games. So going into this week, a little friendly chat with my buddy Rick and uh, just commenting on his his starting lineup. You know, it would have been nice to see Rick pull out one of these wins. And I saw that he was starting uh, Michael Gallup, Dallas wide receiver. They're going up against Houston. And Ricky's like, well, yeah, Houston's got a terrible defense. And I I tried to explain to him, Houston has a terrible run defense. The Cowboys are going to run all over Houston. And then they're just going to keep running because they're going to be winning. You know, they're they're not going to be throwing the ball left and right. Like all the points are going to come on the ground. 
I said, you got Jerry Judy on your bench. He's going up against Kansas City's defense that has a terrible pass defense. Like, swap those around. And he was, you know, he he said tortoises are stubborn, so he wasn't going to take my advice. And what uh, I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is you tried to puppet master the puppet master. I mean, I guess if I was trying to puppet master the puppet master, I would have tried to do the old double reverse psychology on him. Not only did you suffer from this, but because Ricky started Michael Gallup over Jerry Judy, costing himself 21 points in the process, got me a win as a result. Instead, uh, Joe is now missing the playoffs as a result of that decision that Rick made. So a lot of downstream impact here. Had Rick made the right choice, I'd be out. Joe would be in. Well, and I, we're about to get into to Joe's situation here in a second, right? Are, are we ready to move on? Yeah, I think I think we are because you can't really talk about you know one without the other here. So we got to talk about this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it and frame this in the terms of Josh one. Josh, you are a great man. You're a gentleman and a scholar. I couldn't have been happier with the way that your performance in week 14 panned out here. Uh, Team Wobble puts up 102 points, knocks off both teams from Philadelphia, eliminates both teams from Philadelphia in the process, securing the victory or the pathway for me to lock up the number six seed. Team Wobble, we salute you. We thank you on behalf of all of the Detroit Roadies organization. We got to give Josh credit, though. Um, funny enough, the person that led his team, not Mahomes this time around, it was Miles Sanders, Philadelphia running back, knocking out both Philadelphia teams, 144 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 27 points total. Josh still got 20 points out of Patty Mahomes, although he would have done better had he started Jared Goff, who put up a 25. But no, I mean, Josh got, you know, other contributions from Juju Smith-Schuster caught that touchdown, which wound up being a double touchdown for Josh. Mahomes threw it. Smith-Schuster catches it. That's 10 points right there. That's enough to get him the win over Joe's team. And then, you know, he only beat Andrew by 11 as well. So great job, Josh. Really proud of you. And you yeah, know, I'm in the playoffs because of you. Really impressive when your running backs average 13.5 points each. Well, that's that's true. I mean, his other running back put up a zero, Dalton Hilliard. It, but that's the thing. We, we talked about Alvin Kamara having a bye week, and Josh couldn't find anyone. Um, he had zero running back points on his bench. He's got – now, granted, you know, Kamara and Ingram were on a bye. He's got the other Ingram, Keontae Ingram, uh, didn't score anything. Kenneth Gainwell didn't do anything. So, yeah, I mean, all those running backs on his bench and not a single point to plug into his running back two spot. He'll be very excited to see Kamara returning. Yeah, and like you said, he didn't need either of those wins. That was all done for you. But it was, and, and again, we made the case last week that it would be better for Josh to have a weaker opponent in potentially waiting for him in the sixth seed. And so, you know, maybe he uh, maybe he got that, that wish. If I uh, knock off Brett in um, this week's, uh, you know, quarterfinal round, I will be going up against Josh, and he won't have to worry as much about his opponent, maybe. Well, and not only did you need Josh to go 2-0, and but you also needed Joe to be Andrew, correct? That, that's right. I needed that finish in that order, and what a nail-biter it amounted to. We were all watching Sunday night. Andrew needed – he's got one guy left to go. He had Mike Williams. He needed 18 fantasy points out of him, and Mike Williams gets the early touchdown – and then in the third quarter, catches a 55-yard bomb. 
bringing him to 17 fantasy points, four yards shy of the threshold he would need. And at that point, after six targets and six receptions, the Chargers did not look Williams' way the rest of the game. They ran, I checked this out, 22 offensive snaps for the Chargers, not counting uh, punts and field goal attempts. 22 offensive snaps, zero targets, zero receptions for Williams. Four yards was all it would have taken to get Andrew into the playoffs. He fell that short. I have to apologize to Andrew. I put the the jinx on it when he caught that, uh, his last catch, and he only needed four more yards to get him one more point and and knock you out of the playoffs. I had a nice little meme pulled up and pasted into the, the text chat, ready to hit send as soon as he caught his next pass. And it sat there ready to send until the game was over. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy how, you know, these things pan out. We You know, one start-sit decision here, one start-sit decision there, and four yards on Sunday night football. Um, all that worked out to, you know, defining those last couple playoff spots. Uh, it's crazy. Joe, you know, tried to go 2-0. and He would have gotten in if he had gone 2-0. and He got a big game out of Christian McCaffrey, 26 points. Good games from Josh Allen and Zeke Elliott. I think the big thing, the most impressive find that Joe made off of the waiver wire was at tight end. He dropped uh, Mike Gesicki, who's got a relatively easy name to pronounce compared to the guy he picked up. I'm going to give it my best shot right now. Chigozium Okonkwo, the... Tennessee Titans rookie tight end who Joe picked up off the scrap heap started and got 12 fantasy points out of nowhere from. So great job, Joe. You needed every single one of those points to keep Andrew out of the playoffs and you did it. So good job. Unfortunately for Joe, he fell 10 points short of team wobble. Joe only got six points out of his entire wide receiver core, Mike Evans, DJ Moore and Marvin Jones. Um, and probably the, the the hardest part to swallow is Mike Evans had a 66-yard touchdown reception called back by a holding penalty. So if that penalty doesn't get called, Evans' points stand. Joe's going to hold on to beat Josh. Joe's going to the playoffs instead as well. So, man, just one play here, one play there changes the course of the entire season for so many different teams. Well, and, you know, you can drill down on any one of these plays, right? Um, you look at Andrew's team and he needed, you know, one more point and he's in the playoffs. Yep. One point from anywhere. And he, he's got two points from Derek Carr. Derek Carr threw two interceptions. Yeah. That's a tough one. We've been talking about that all season, how he effectively chose Derek Carr over Kirk cousins. There was only a dollar difference in the salary. So it was just a, you know, he cut one. He decided he didn't want to have both of them. And he went with Carr over Cousins, and certainly that cost him the game and cost him the playoff spot this week. Yeah, and then he had uh, this guy, Isaiah McKenzie, as his third wide receiver. Um, I'm sure there were plenty of guys on the waiver wire available that could have got you more than two points. Um, you know, Once again, hey, it's, it's a Buffalo wide receiver, but they're going up against the Jets' defense, and the Jets have a really good pass defense. You know, maybe – Go look for somebody that's going up against a weaker pass defense there and, and roll the dice. Yeah, I mean, McKenzie had been up and down. You know, his his week prior, he played against New England, only put up a four. But before that, he had 96 yards and a touchdown against Detroit on national television. So maybe that was the uh, the memory that was uh, well, once left again, in Andrew's head that, there. That's going up against Detroit. 
that's not going up against a stellar past events. Well, he did get the benefit of Justin Jefferson going up against Detroit to the tune of 223 receiving yards. Yeah, that's impressive when you score 22 fantasy points and no touchdowns. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, there was one he may or may not have stepped out of bounds, and then, the, you know, the referees called it dead. Run back and looked at it's not reviewable once they blow the whistle. You can't assume that he's going to coast into the end zone, even though that's what he did. So, yeah, that cost Andrew as well. Um, just real tough break for Andrew, you know, to come so close and uh, fall so short or just short. Well, it was definitely an exciting end of the season here, um, wrapping up all the, the playoff spots. Having all of these come down to the wire, uh, it made those games a lot more fun to watch. It really did. I mean, fun maybe was relative, depending on if you needed to make sure that one guy didn't catch one last pass for an entire quarter and a half of football. That wasn't fun um, for you? It was only fun once I realized that the Chargers were going to be able to run out the clock. <laughs> but everything else was just every time they drive back to throw, I was trying to figure out where on the field Mike Williams was, what direction he would be in, because he's not on the TV anymore once he runs his route. It was painful to watch for me. Well, I, I enjoyed watching you squirm. Well, I'm glad you found some enjoyment out of that. Uh, as far as you know, future enjoyment, hopefully I will have a little bit more of that as we get into the playoffs. We're going to take a quick break right now, and then when we come back, we're going to take a look at a couple of these matchups here uh, that we've got between you and Danny and between me and Brett and try and uh, figure out who's going to come out on top in the playoff tournament here. All right. Stick around. Today's episode of A Bit of Fellatio is brought to you by the Wobble Appreciation Society. Life can be uncertain, and sometimes you don't always have everything under your own control. That's when it helps to have a wobble. The Wobble Appreciation Society serves to make sure that the wobble in your life knows how valued they are and that you would not be where you are today without them. We thank the Wobble Appreciation Society for sponsoring today's show. Wobble Appreciation Society, Home Office, Detroit, Michigan. All right, welcome back, everyone. As promised, we're going to take a look now, previewing the postseason with apologies to some of the top fantasy football producers this year that are not moving on to the postseason. Uh, Josh Allen, Christian McCaffrey, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, and then a couple big receivers here, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, not to mention CeeDee Lamb, all of those big name performers not coming with us to the playoffs. However, uh, we do have some teams that are coming to the playoffs. Um, let's first talk about our two teams that are on the bye. Really, their injury status. We talk about resting up and getting healthy. Now, functionally, it doesn't really work that way because these players still have to play in the NFL this week. Um, but really looking like a good health outlook for both you'll see and Team Wobble. Um, Tommy's got Darren Waller coming back from injured reserve, possibly this week, which would be nice from his standpoint where he could kind of get to evaluate him before having to make a decision on starting him. And then other than that, his only major injury is Lamar Jackson, who, you know, is one of three quarterback options he has. Lamar's probably one to two weeks away from coming back. Uh, but in the meantime, he's still got some other options with Jalen Hurts and Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah. And, well, yeah. I said it before. I think, I think Lamar Jackson getting hurt was a blessing for Tommy. Uh, it makes it, his choices easier. Well, except for the one boneheaded start of Deshaun Watson, Tommy would would do well 
with just Jalen Hurts. Just roll with Jalen Hurts week in and week out. Yeah, no, agreed. And, you know, it would be tough to to start Lamar Jackson his first week back if they try and rush him back from injury anyway. You're not sure what you're getting with that. So, you know, I don't know if Lamar Jackson ends up starting for Tommy the rest of the way between, you know, just being out with injury and then just coming back. But it depends on how, you know, Hurts and Watson do both performance and health-wise coming up here. Well, I don't I don't think it really depends on how they perform. Uh, you know, Hurts – the week 16 matchup, he's going up against Dallas, the number one defense. All right. Uh, let's see here. Lamar Jackson, week 16, is matching up. So, assuming he's back and, and ready to go week 16, is going up against Atlanta. So, what that tells me is... Juicy matchup. Juicy matchup. And CBS is going to be telling Tommy that Lamar Jackson is a better start than Jalen Hurts in week 16. Well, um, you know, we got some time to, to make sure that that's actually going to come into play. I mean, Lamar Jackson may or may not make it back in time for that game. Um, we'll certainly preview that a lot more next week on the episode when we'll have a little bit more information about that and we'll also know who Tommy's opponent will be. All right. Um, we should also call out Team Wobble. No starters injured uh, right now. So Paragon of Health there for Josh and his starting lineup. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I guess for them, maybe fortunate still, they don't have a game this week to take advantage of that good health. But all things considered, they're in a real good spot here uh, rolling into the playoffs. Well, real good spot, except for the fact that he's still reliant on three Kansas. Well, yeah, three Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. So real good spot as long as Kansas City keeps doing well. Agreed. Um, you know, he'll go as far as they take him. But now he's, you know. Anyone with a first-round buy, so both these two teams, Tommy and Josh, they only need to win two games. So from Josh's standpoint, just need to avoid a bad game for the Chiefs two weeks in a row. Well, and, and as you mentioned, Josh is on a buy, but all of his players still have to play. So no injuries now, and you just keep those fingers crossed that uh, all of his players realize that they're on a buy this week, and they make some good business decisions and stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, we, especially with his his running backs. I mean, we kind of saw what happened when he didn't have Kamara to go with uh, Miles Sanders there. He's, you know, his depth is going to be really tested if he can't start both of those two guys. Well, enough about the teams with the bye. Let's take a look, and we'll actually take a closer look than we've done in, in past previews as we look at the two playoff games we have here. And, John, we'll start with my game against the number three seed, the division champ, league champ. Um, CBS Sports has... Brett projected to win 84 to 79 over me. I'll let you know. I'll give you some of my opinions where I think I stand relative to his team. But let's break it down first at the quarterback position. I've got Justin Fields playing at home against Philadelphia, going up against Joe Burrow on the road at Tampa Bay. John, who do you think has the advantage at quarterback there? I would take Burrow. Um, CBS has them both projected at 17. I would say Joe Burrow is going to outperform 17 and Justin Fields might hit 17. I, I be honest, I don't know what to make uh, of Justin Fields going against the Philadelphia defense. Uh, I could certainly see Philly running out to a big uh, lead early on and then Fields having to throw a bunch, which is not his, his area of expertise necessarily. I'd much rather him be running the ball. I don't know how Philadelphia is going to be able to, you know, defend against that. 
I, I don't have another choice. I, I need to go with the high risk, high reward start of Justin Fields um, based on the rest of my lineup. Justin Fields has the potential for a 40 point game. I can't bench him. Well, um, so, and I know we're not going to dive into uh, the full team depth and bench and everything, but if I had a quarterback that was matching up against a really weak pass defense, like, I don't know, uh, Detroit, uh, I might roll with them instead. You know, that's tough, man. Um, I, I get, you know, Mike White could light up the, the Lions. I believe in the Lions. Um, you know, it's going to be, it might be a shootout or the Lions may uh, may clamp down a bit. If it's still Mike White, I trust Justin Fields. He, You know, for the most part, he's the one that got me here. Um, we're going to ride him to the, the wheels fall off. All right. Uh, you know, dropping down, looking at the running back matchups. Um, yeah, I wish we could skip this one. Josh has, or excuse me, not Josh. Uh, Brett has Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. I'm trotting out Najee Harris and what's left of Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, it's not looking good for me at running back here. It, it is not looking good for you. No. And, you know, I'll say this because I have the first waiver priority. I'm taking a running back of the teams that are left in the playoffs here i'm taking a running back tonight so by the time this episode airs i'll have a new running back from what i'm seeing though and what i'm reading Ramondre stevenson's not ruled out he does have a, a sunday 4 p.m game so it makes me a little nervous uh having to wait that long especially with some saturday games on the slate this week here um but if he's healthy i'm gonna play him who is available in the waiver wire uh you know probably jerry mckinnon yeah okay. you know trying to get a piece of that kansas city offense it's okay. not ideal um, he did have two long touchdowns this time around, but um, if Ramondre is healthy, I'm going to start him. I, I'm just making a contingency plan is all. Well, I'm also not, I, I wouldn't be too high on JK Dobbins uh, going up against Cleveland. So Dobbins could underperform. You may not lose the running back matchup by as much as you think you're going to. Yeah. You know, Dobbins looked, sure if the Ravens are going to be on their third string quarterback uh, this week coming up as uh, Tyler Huntley uh, has his own concussion issues. So um, I have no idea how Baltimore will, will end up game planning for that if they're on their third string quarterback. It could be a, a, a very heavy run game script for them. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor still against Minnesota. Their defense is pretty weak. Um, I know the Colts offense is is out of sorts a little bit, but still, man, the name value of Taylor um, puts my two guys to shame right now. All right. And so now we move down to wide receivers. This is where I think I may have a small advantage. I'm going with Chris Olave, Michael Pittman, and Brandon Ayuk. And Brett's putting out, as it stands now, Keenan Allen, Traylon Burks, and George Pickens. Who do you think has the edge there? I would definitely think Olave, Pittman, and Ayuk, um, you know, for a few reasons, right? Pittman's the, definitely the, the number one there in Indy. Um, that matchup is probably going to be a high scoring affair. Ball's probably going to be thrown around a lot. I would, I would guess Pittman gets a touchdown. Olave matching up against Atlanta's defense. Once again, I can see, um, very easily Alave getting a long touchdown. And then in San Francisco, you know, uh, well, what's his face went down, uh, Debo. So Ayu has got to be, uh, benefiting from that. Right. You'd think I'm not wild about it. Uh, I don't know that I'm locked 
locked into these three receivers. Olave is probably the one guy that, to your point, is locked into my starting lineup. Um, DJ Chark kind of offers me that high risk, high reward type of guy on my bench right now, depending on how things go. And, I, you know, even looking at Saturday games, I know, you know, Jonathan Taylor Dobbins, they're both going to play on Saturday. So I'll have a little bit of, I guess I don't have the choice because Thursday Ayuk plays and Pittman plays Saturday himself. So yeah, I guess I'm going to have to lock in um, with those guys pretty early in the process. Yeah. yeah and then, I hate sitting Chark just given the hot streak he's been on. Well, and then looking at um, Pickens, if Kenny Pickett doesn't play. Uh, Dr. Trubisky at quarterback there. Oh, did you just bomb it in your mouth? I, no, I didn't. I don't think I don't think um, one's been that much better than the other, unfortunately. And so I think that, you know, Pickens is still you, you, you can't argue with the talent that's there and the alternative for Brett right now. Um, obviously, Debo's injured. I don't think Terrace Marshall is a candidate. So it really boils down to Cortland Sutton. And he just had to miss this past game. I'm not sure if he's going to come back at full health this game coming up here. Uh, it's a 4 p.m. Sunday start, so we may not have the luxury of being able to wait that long to figure that out. Well, if if my fantasy playoffs depended on one of my guys catching passes from Mitch Trubitsky, I would feel terrible going into this week. The good news for Brett is he'll have at least those two running backs that we talked about already have played Saturday, so he'll have a good feel for what he needs to accomplish the rest of the way. Um, if he's ahead of the game or behind. And we talked about Ayuk benefiting from uh, Debo going down. Uh, when we look at the tight ends, Brett's got Kittle. Yeah, so I think any boost that I get for Ayuk, he gets the same boost for Kittle, right? Now, I've got Mark Andrews, who in theory, and I think points scored, he's still the number two tight end on the season, uh, but just not inspiring a lot of confidence as of late. So Mark Andrews kind of maybe coasting on his own name recognition for the time being. Uh, but just the output has not been there recently. Uh, just this past week, he put up a one. Um, the three weeks prior to that, he's averaged six points. So it's not going great recently for for Mark Andrews. In fact, he hasn't cracked uh, eight points in a single game since week six. And I, I do not want to get into fantasy football tight end tiers again. But I just have everybody go back and listen to that was in the uh, the bonus episode, right, where we talked about the tight ends and you were bragging about how great Mark Andrews was and putting him in the same tier as Kelsey. Well, it was just after week six that we recorded that. So he was doing <laughs> great at the time. <laughs> um, no, but since then, yeah, just a whole bunch of, of sevens or less, unfortunately. All right. Well. It, it looks to be a close matchup. Uh, do you even want to get into analysis of uh, kickers and defenses in these matchups? You know, we can call it out real quick. Um, I've got Justin Tucker. I feel able to scoop him up a few weeks ago off the waiver wire, off free agency. Um, so, you know, happy to have the best kicker in the game. I know to your earlier point, they may be on their third string uh, quarterback, but that may end up giving him just enough to march the ball into field goal territory, which is pretty much half the field for Justin Tucker. Um, I like where it stands there. And then I've got the Cowboys defense, which is one of the best defenses in the league, but I am a little worried about them going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road, Jacksonville coming off a very dominant performance against Tennessee. So it's kind of strength on strength right there with the Cowboys defense and surprising to say, but the Jacksonville offense. Yeah, 
Brett's got Robbie Gould playing at Seattle. You know, you make that argument for Tucker. I can make that same argument with Seattle going up against uh, San Francisco that Seattle has a defense that allows the rushing yards. So I could see San Francisco putting up a lot of points, getting a lot of scoring opportunities, maybe with the Seattle defense doing the old bend but don't break. Gould could easily have five field goals this weekend. I think, but yeah, I think both kickers could have the potential for that. I mean, they're both offenses potentially on their third string quarterback, maybe going a little more conservative, not pushing the issue, maybe on a fourth and two type of situation. So um, wouldn't be surprised if either one of these kickers had, you know, a big double digit game and possibly swung the outcome of the playoff game here. Yeah. And, and Brett's got the Steelers defense, not thrilled with the Steelers D, but they're matching up against Carolina. So it's a decent matchup for him. Yep. Again, you know, the opposite of mine where it's strength on strength, it might be a weak offense and not a great defense, but a good matchup nonetheless for the Steelers. Sure. All right, John, enough of the analysis. Pick a winner. Got to go with my buddy Jason here. Wow. Thank you. You know, I, I think if I'm being objective, I may not pick myself. Um, and I think that's why I'm looking at DJ Chark as a potential high risk, high reward option. Certainly going to be an uphill battle for me, but I think making it to the playoffs was uphill and we'll just ride this out as far as we can get it. All right. Well, good luck. And same to you, John, as we preview your matchup against Flynn's flock. Now Talk the CBS on strength. Yeah. CBS projections have this one, a much higher scoring affair, 94 to 93 in favor of the flock for the time being. Uh, we've got, Quarterback matchup, uh, Kirk Cousins, John. You're starting him over two of this week, going up against Danny's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, battle of the NFC North. It is. Look at that. And you know what? They're both uh, playing home games, the you know friendly confines of their home environment. Uh, CBS has Aaron Rodgers slated to be slightly better than Cousins. Uh, these are two tricky defenses they're playing. Rodgers going against the Rams. Cousins going against the Colts. I'm actually going to go against CBS here. I think Cousins outperforms Rodgers this week. Yeah, you know, Rodgers is playing outdoors, and uh, Kirk Cousins is indoors. And yeah. and certainly the, the Rams are maybe galvanized a little bit by that inspiring win with Baker Mayfield. Who knows? I mean, they may put up a little bit of a fight here against Aaron Rodgers. Plus, I think Aaron Rodgers is crazy, and, uh, you know, there's that. You know, he was back on the uh, Pat McAfee show today. I think he was talking about the Ayahuasca again. So sounds, um, sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. We'll see if he's uh, on the Ayahuasca this uh, this weekend here. You you brought up, you know, once again, you know, bench players. You brought up not starting Tua. I did. Uh, I do have to admit that I am torn because I may be overthinking this. Um, but with Danny having Jalen Waddle, if Tua throws a touchdown to Waddle, then, you know, I may be kicking myself if Tua's on my bench. So it's, it's kind of one of those where do I want to hedge my bet or do I want to go with the, the quarterback who I'm a little more confident in this week? Well, do we think that you're locked in or is there a chance that you're changing this here? Well, I'm obviously not locked in until uh, Saturday at one o'clock. Yeah, you got the early game though. Yeah. 
Well, we'll have to see where you end up landing on this here. This could be another one of those decisions we come back on next week's episode and are talking about it costing someone the season. Could be. But uh, going down to the running back situation, I am much more confident in uh, in my my strength there at running back. This is strength on strength. We talk about your team, Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb. I mean, two of the top performers all year against one of the other top performers, Josh Jacobs. And then one of these things is not like the other, DeAndre Swift. <laughs> I hate saying this, but I mean, look at the companies in Eckler, Chubb, Jacobs. Um, I wish Swift was up there, but he just hasn't been. And, and he's got all the potential to be. I know this is a Lions fan, but hasn't totally translated just yet. Um, well, and, and you didn't want to jinx him, but I, I think I asked you last week, you know, is Swift back to being Swift? And you, you dodged and... Because you dodged, he only put up a three last week. Yeah, I. You know what? This is man. This is a must-win game for the Lions. Um, I, I. I think he puts up a twenty through this week. I hate you to think, say that to you. You think that Swift? See, and and this this right here is where I did. I don't want to get into it. I don't want Danny making his lineup decisions based off of advice and analysis that he gleans uh, from from this podcast. You don't want Danny making making his lineup decisions based on the delusional yet still rose-colored glasses outlook of a long-suffering Lions fan on a Lions player. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what, Danny, roll with Swift. Roll with Swift. I think he's putting up thirty-three points this week. Yeah, he he's probably probably gonna you know put up thirty at least, maybe forty-five. We'll see. 150 yards and three touchdowns. That sounds good to me. I like that. I like the way that sounds. Um, Danny, I'm hoping that's your outcome. And Jason, I'm blaming you when Danny drops Swift to his bench and Swift puts up two points this week. Well, I don't know that he has better options, but you know, that's up to Danny to determine. So he can go with that. But I think, I think, you know, Swift has, again, we talked about this, the potential's there. It's hit or miss with him sometimes. Um, but I don't think I'm telling Danny anything he doesn't already know. Well, all I all I'm saying is I've got Swift in another league and I'm not starting him at the Jets. I, I suppose it depends on, on what your other options are. I mean, it, we'll call it out here for the listeners. Danny's got AJ Dillon, Michael Carter, Samaje Piran, and Zamir White. Now Zamir White may step in if Josh Jacobs, we should mention Josh Jacobs, is marked as questionable. He's undergoing some tests on his uh, pinky finger. Could you imagine if, if he got ruled out? That would be quite the uh, the downgrade from Josh Jacobs to Zamir White. Well, let's look at receivers here. This is interesting because there's some big names involved in here. You, t- you mentioned Jalen Waddle. Danny's got uh, A.J. Brown and Christian Watson in his starting lineup alongside Waddle. You're countering with Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Man, some, there's some firepower on both sides there. Yeah, and A.J. Brown is the one that really scares me. He's got a pretty soft matchup against the Bears. He could very easily put up 27 points this week. Yep, expected to be a lot of points scored in that Eagles-Bears game. So A.J. Brown certainly has, you know, he could go nuts. Now, granted, you've got the other guy on the opposite side, Devontae Smith there. You never know if the Eagles are going to end up running it. Of course, they get down to the one-yard line. They like to run that play with, with Jalen Hurts. And so, you know, there's options for rushing touchdowns there that take away from Brown's output. So it'll be interesting to see if he's the guy that gets in the end zone for them. Yeah, I mean, I would really like to see the Eagles go up big 
early without throwing touchdowns to Brown and then turn around and just grind the, the ground game after that. That's certainly one very plausible outcome for how that game would play out. Um, unfortunately for you, John, I mean, you, you're going to get much tougher defense, at least your top guys, Jamar Chase going against Tampa's pass defense, Tyreek Hill going against Buffalo's pass defense. So, you know, again, strength on strength. We talk about here it is in the playoffs and you've got two stars and two challenging matchups. I don't think anybody's too terribly afraid of Tampa's defense. I think they're rated highly because they've had some pretty weak opponents for the majority of the year playing in the division that they do. So I think a strong passing team can still put up decent numbers against Tampa. So pretty confident with Chase. Tyreek Hill at Buffalo, honestly, that matchup makes me nervous. Uh, Part of the reason why Tua is on my bench right now is team from Miami playing in Buffalo in December. Well, and let's not also forget, I mean, Tyreek Hill was injured at the end of last game. He's got that ankle injury. He was coming in and out. He did not play most of the snaps on that final drive when they needed him. Um, That weather, if that gets cold, that may uh, not help injury matters either. That's that's a tough one for you because Tyreek Hill, I mean, if he's healthy, you got to start him, but his effectiveness could be curtailed here. You know, all it takes is one play for him to to break out and and get a long touchdown, and he he secures me eight or nine points. Not always the case because of one of the commissioners and how they set the the touchdowns in this league, but um, you know, he's well, he's X factor. Well, let's talk about that. You're talking about the scoop <laughs> and score fumble recovery on offense for Tyreek Hill. That was um, a lateral. It was a lateral. <laughs> If it, if it had not hit the ground, it would have been a lateral and it would have counted as receiving yards, I believe. If it was a receiving play, you still get the yards. However, it was a fumble and that's not a scoring category for us, nor has it ever been. However, and I, I've been opposed to this, to, to adding it as a scoring category. However, I am starting to come around. It only really comes up like one or two plays a year. More often, it winds up being a fumble in the end zone that somebody just falls on. Uh, you know, a long run, the guy to the ball knocked out the guy that you know another receiver running down the field was falling the ball and gets the the touchdown but we don't count it you know what something we can look at reviewing in the offseason i'm a lot more open to it now to yeah we can add it back in at six points when a guy falls on the ball in the end zone right i i i completely understand that side of things where you've got a, a running back or a quarterback that's making that push and fumbles the ball into the end zone and then you know, there's a tight end or wide receiver that jumps on it and, and they get a touchdown, right? That's kind of kind of a cheap touchdown. But in this scenario, that's just like a punt return in my eyes where he's got the ball, he's got the whole defense in front of him, and he just torches them for the touchdown. Like that was pure offensive skill on his part. I, I agree. Now, you know, no matter what we do, you don't get credit for the return yards or the fumble recovery yards. But, yeah, if you get the end zone, you get the six points. It's kind of all or nothing at that point once the ball's on the ground. If you get the end zone, you get six points. But maybe that is the right thing to do anyway. Well, to be determined. Yep. Well, here's a couple tight ends that might actually need to fall on a ball in the end zone in order to score. I guess, you know, Pat Fryermuth on your side is okay. Danny starting Daniel Bellinger at tight end, who's questionable with sore ribs. Um, so well, Briarmouth is also questionable. Oh, he is. That's right. 
Yeah, he uh, he's got a foot injury going on. And so let me see here. Did he practice today? Well, they wouldn't have practiced today oh, on Tuesday yeah. anyway. Yeah, so yeah, we'll have to see whether Friermuth is uh, going to play. I actually have some waiver claims in myself, maybe to get a backup tight end. Watch the waiver wire report in the morning. Yeah, good luck. Like I said, I'm not I'm not going in after a, a backup tight end here while I've got Mark Andrews starting. So <laughs> you can feel comfortable knowing I'm not going to steal him with my waiver priority. Okay. Um, if we must talk about kickers, you've got a better kicker from fantasy perspective. It feels like Daniel Carlson. Danny's got Brett Meyer. And then on the defensive side, this is interesting. I don't know if this is going to hold or if you would left this over from last week here. But right now, John, this is all we're going to say. Right now, you've got the Cardinals defense, but they're going up against Denver, possibly without Russell Wilson. That could be an intriguing little matchup there. And then Danny's got the Eagles defense going up against what might be a high-scoring game against Chicago. Yeah, I can't I can't believe that you think that I just happen to have the, the Cardinals in for this week. Well, I think you had them left over from last week against the yeah. Patriots. Right now, they're sure you can call them left over, or you could say that when I went out and picked up the Cardinals to throw into my lineup last week, I did so knowing that they also had a favorable matchup come the first week of the playoffs. And it became even more favorable with the injury to Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, that's just icing on the cake. Yep. Well, we'll see. You know, may, maybe Denver improves with uh, Wilson on the bench. This is true. All right, John. I, now, I'm not going to make you pick. You're certainly welcome to do so if you want. But as I'm looking at these, I am actually going to give you the edge here in my prediction. My prediction. Uh, I think you eke this one out over Danny, but I think this is definitely going to be a very close game no matter who comes out on top. It could be very close, or you could see one of us completely tank this week uh, looking at those lineups. Um, you know, if we if our guys – all performed then yes this is this could very easily be a you know 102 103 or could even come down to a, a coin flip in the to settle the playoff matchup i think i think when we come back on next week's episode we'll be looking at one of the quarterbacks and the quarterback decisions that either you or danny made and saying that that wound up swinging the game yeah hey real quick uh in the event of a tie in the playoffs what is our tiebreaker Tie goes to the higher seed, home field advantage. It's basically a half point head start. Well, that sucks. Well, just don't tie him. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll plan for that then. Right, and I guess you know that gives the advantage to the teams that got the one seed and the four seed versus the five seed here. Um, so all those things considered here, John, I think now that we've looked at the the two preview games from this week. It's time to take a look at the postseason overall and pick a champion. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but who do you think of these six teams? And let me caveat this because otherwise you'll just pick you and I'll just pick me. Can't pick yourself. We'll put that rule out there. Who do you think emerges as the champion this year? Well, first off, I want to acknowledge that Brett has a huge advantage in these playoffs. Why is that? Well, He's going up against me, you, Danny, Tommy, Wobble. Okay. All, all of us, you know, it's known everybody in this league plays in multiple fantasy football leagues. Most of those leagues are, you know, with us. 
amongst the the three leagues. Uh, I'm in the playoffs in all three of those leagues. You're in the playoffs in two of those leagues. Danny's in the playoffs in two of those leagues. Tommy's got um, two two playoff teams. Wobble has two t- playoff teams. So all of the decision making, you're you're stretched. You're at a disadvantage because you're playing matchups and you're also thinking, well, shoot, you know, in this league, I'm playing against this guy. And then in this other league, he's on my team. And it's very stressful, very tough to make all of the the perfect decisions to try to win all of the leagues. Brett, on the other hand, free and clear. He, Why is he free and clear? He missed the playoffs in both the other leagues. How so, did he do in the one other league, John? <laughs> I believe he set a record in shenanigans. So he lost every single game. And I don't know that I've seen that. I've been playing fantasy football for 22 years. I don't know that I've seen a completely winless team the entire season. Yeah, so so he's all in on on the Flacio. And he's got all of his attention and all of his energy into decision-making for one team. So I think he's got a huge advantage. Now, that being said, I think Tommy's got the strongest team. Having that first round bye, having the much stronger team, as long as he doesn't mess up himself and start Watson over Hertz at some point throughout these playoffs, I think that Tommy takes it. Okay, that's interesting. I'm going to part company with you a little bit there. I think the strongest team and and it's got the easiest path here is Team Wobble. And I think you know, with the caveat that he does not have the depth. We talk about his lack of running back depth. His wide receiver four is probably Drake London. So, you know, he's kind of locked in with Amon Ross St. Brown, Gabe Davis, and Juju. But the advantage that he's got at tight end with Travis Kelsey is huge. You know, we talked about the tiers of tight ends. There's nobody in Travis Kelsey's tier anymore. Um, And there may not even be a second tier. Uh, You may just have to skip straight down to the third tier. So he's got that huge advantage there. And as long as he can stay healthy, that's a big if, but as long as he can stay healthy, I, I don't see Josh losing either of his two playoff games that he's got coming up. Well, and once again, having the benefit of only having to win two games to take the championship, um, but still relying so much on the Chiefs makes me really nervous. You know, like, you, like you've been saying all, all season long, one down week in the playoffs for the Chiefs, and Josh is out. Yep. The good news for him, though, he's got two home games in week 16 and week 17 for the Chiefs. Now, the first home game is against Seattle, a little bit of a porous defense. Next one's against Denver. And, you know, you could argue that Denver does have a little bit of a tougher defense. But, you know, he just put up Mahomes, just put up 20 fantasy points on the road against Denver. You think that, you know, by New Year's Day at home, um, he may be doing a little bit better than that even. Well, we will see. All right, John. I, man, this has been just a great year. I know six teams are still fighting it out here, uh, but this has been such a successful year, I think, for the league with the podcast and everything else. Yeah, Games man. coming hey, down to the wire. We did it. We did Reg- it. Regular season is over. We, we didn't take a bye week. We did uh, one episode every single week for this entire season. So I want to say congratulations to you. Um, this whole endeavor when you texted me what was it like saturday before the the opening week of hey you want to do a podcast no preparation the first week trying to decide is this something we're going to really roll with 
or is this just a one-time bit? I, I think this has been a huge success. No, we went through a lot of games. There was 168 fantasy games over these 14 oh, weeks. We reviewed just about all of them. Hey, and, uh, you know, I, my fault for not putting this into our, our sheet, but I did want to hit on uh, a couple other things when, it, when looking back on this year. I also want to give credit to how this league is run. Um, we, by necessity, played two matchups every week when this league first started because of the number of teams in the league and, and making everything work just right. Uh, however, when we fully expanded and had a full league, you had the option to go back to the standard style of just one game a week. And, um, you know, we all decided, no, the the two games playing two opponents each week actually adds another twist, makes it a little more interesting. And I think the other thing that it does is you really get down to – the best teams in the playoffs for the most part. When we go and we analyze who made the playoffs, who didn't make the playoffs, and we go strictly off of total points scored for the year. Yes. Right? That's a that's a pretty good indicator. If you're the top scorer in the league, you shouldn't miss the playoffs. That being said, I have had the top scoring team in the league in one of our other leagues and missed the playoffs just because of, of you know, the, the matchups. Having those two, two games each week kind of evens that out a little bit. And top scorer in the league for the year, Wobble. Number second, one seed. Second highest, Tommy. Yep. Third, yeah, high, and it, third highest, Flock. Yeah, if you look at it, of the six playoff teams, they all finished in the top seven in points scored on the year. The yeah. only team that finished in the top six that did not make the playoffs was the Philadelphia Boneheads. And they had a couple of really high scoring weeks. In fact, they led the league in scoring three weeks. And so when you're that volatile, you'll get those big weeks, but then you get some other lower weeks there that can knock you out. I think that's what Andrew saw, but he was just so close to making the playoffs himself anyway. Yeah, that and, and the number seven team that actually finished six, well, seven in points, sixth in, um, you know, in the finish was Brett's team. And I think in that case, he benefited from being in the weaker division. Yeah, and he was really consistent all year long, I think. Yeah, and, and he he benefited by matching up against the lowest scoring team in the league, you know, more than anyone else in the league besides you and me. Right. Um, you know, he got to play the Chuliota Tortoises the most. So you're blaming Ricky once again. We've come full circle. On this episode. I'm, I'm blaming you and me as well. You know, we, we gave up some losses to, to Brett's team also. Just one, one, one of those things that I think we've kitted around before because we have three different leagues and, you know, if, if this was soccer, which one would be the champions league and which one would be the lower tier league. I honestly look at this and think that the Flacio is the, champions league of all of our leagues we definitely when we designed the league we took you know an extra degree of difficulty and said we're taking the training wheels off if you mess up if you screw up your team and your roster construction it'll take you some time to recover from it um with the contracts and the auctioneering 
Um, so certainly the degree of difficulty is ramped up in this league. If you can win this league, you've earned it. Well, speaking of that, how many times have you won this league? That's not the speaking. I don't like this segue one bit. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us here on a bit of Palacio. <laughs> that's not very nice of you, John. I might win it this year. Having tanked, having thrown in the towel and fighting for next year instead, I'm still going to win the, the title this year. That would be amazing. What a I'm, story. I'm sorry, buddy. Well, if I lose this week, then I'll be rooting for you. Thank you, John. I appreciate your support. And good luck to you this week as well. Thank you, bud. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. All of all the teams that are out of it, we hope you keep listening. Obviously, uh, we understand if you don't. Um, you better listen. We're still going to try <laughs> to provide some entertaining content. We'll still do some analysis um, moving forward and, and kind of look ahead. We might even play a, you know the what-if game moving forward and say, well, if – if they had made these decisions a little bit differently, how would it have turned out for them in the playoffs? Um, you know, we, we can go down those rabbit holes because we'll have a little more time only having, uh, you know, two games to analyze. So it, it'll be nice to only do two recaps instead of 12. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for listening. Don't forget to uh, hit that like button and subscribe so that you can get all the uh, notifications when the new episode drops. All right. Good luck, everyone, if you're listening and more importantly, if you're speaking right now. Take care. Good night, everyone. I'll explain it when we get there. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs>